with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning, everyone, and happy Tuesday already. It seems like every day just seems to fly by, but then in another way, it seems that it's just dragging on and on. Today in studio, I have Shannon Johnson, the Center Manager for the YMCA Northern BC and the PG Family Y. She is here to talk to us about maybe something that is um, happening to all of us, and that's trying to get incentivized to actually... I don't know, get a little bit healthier. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves during this whole COVID crisis to maybe accomplish all of these tasks and maybe we're falling short, but maybe you're going to tell us that's okay, Shannon. For sure. I feel like we're all on an equal playing ground coming out of COVID, you know, the isolation that we may have had, um, potentially having a long period of sedentary behavior and perhaps maybe indulging in lifestyle choices that are not necessarily healthy, leave us with this feeling of guilt and, and, you know, that maybe we should be making more positive choices. I think we're all in that position in one form or another. Um, The other thing that COVID has actually allowed us to do maybe is think inside ourselves of what we really do want our life to look like. We have a great opportunity here moving forward of what the new normal is going to look like. And potentially, that could mean that we could be taking on fitness and uh, exercise as part of a healthy lifestyle choice. What is it about making that big plan? I think we've all done it. I know I've done it where you say, you know what, Monday morning, I am going to get regular with um, working out and I'm going to watch what I eat. And this is going to be the beginning of a new me. And then you just keep procrastinating and you put it off and off, or you may start for a week and then you stop again. What is that all about? Well, it's really about the whole continuum about about making a behavior change. Um, We have choices that we can make. It's about making a decision of what that that choice is going to be and what goal you're going to set for yourself. I think often we take on too much at the start, too fast and um, not really think through what some of the barriers might be. Life is busy, um, things come up, and we're not able to stick to what this big, huge goal of five days a week we're gonna exercise, we're gonna cut out all the carbs. Those are really huge decisions to make and a a huge switch in our lifestyle. Um, I think we're more successful if we choose uh, smaller and specific goals, things that are easy to achieve so that we get that feeling of success and that we're actually achieving something, and that motivates us to make more change. When you talked earlier with me, when we were discussing, we talked a little bit about those behaviors and how easy it is to get in the habit of the same behavior that maybe, you know, you check your phone or you sit there and scroll on Instagram for an hour and all of a sudden you look at your watch and go, how did I just waste that hour? So tell us a little bit about re retraining maybe your brain to start saying, I need to fill that time differently and how, how do we make that change? I think first of all, I would like to acknowledge that that's a very positive thing to be self-aware and even noticing that you're sabotaging yourself. Um, that, that is, being self-aware is key because there's gonna be lots of times where you're gonna slip and slide off your goals and that awareness is going to allow you to readjust your plan so that it suits your lifestyle. Um, These behaviors that we have, these are things that we do repeatedly because they fulfill a need in us. 
And uh, so those muscles, just like when you take a dumbbell and do a bicep curl, those muscles become really strong. But if they're no longer serving you, if they don't fulfill those needs, then it might be a time to take a look at what could give you a better boost, a better lift, even if it's a uh, brisk walk around the block after dinner. You're going to feel so much better. And if you, if you try something small like that, it could easily replace uh, Netflix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and not that there's anything wrong with Netflix. Everybody needs that time to shut down and relax. But if you're binge watching and it's keeping you from what actually is going to give you a good boost, it might be a time to make a switch and work those muscles for something that's going to give you a better payoff. It's interesting when you talked about sabotage because um, I think a lot of times we search out something. Like for myself, I've always loved news. And so I want to always be right on top of it. And I find myself actually increasing my anxiety because there are so many things that aren't that great right now and so rather than that positive reinforcement it's almost like I'm looking for negative reinforcement that way does that make sense it does make sense I think that we we need to be conscious of what gets into our subconscious mind from all the media that comes around us and um, just bringing that back to fitness I think that that's what keeps people from taking on a fitness program is often what's out there in the media are these ripped bodies people doing burpees and people think man, if I can't do it like they do mm -hmm. it, if I can't look like they look, then why would I even start? I have a fantastic question for you. And I think, maybe not a question, maybe just to get some insight is, I don't think I'm alone in my generation to think exactly what you said. And that is to equate a level of fitness or health with a body shape or a size. And so the more that we learn and the more that we read about now, it seems that that's not the case. And so how does someone actually get an idea of where they are, let's say, in a health and fitness type of um, realm? If they can't, if it's not about the, the scale or the tape measure, what other kind of things can they look at to see, yeah, you know what, I'm really improving and I'm getting healthier by the day or the week or the month? Right, that's a good question. And it is a very diff difficult task when you don't have that immediate feedback of the measuring tape, of uh, the scale. It's hard to assess. It's kind of a gray area. It's not so black and white. Um, I think we have to try to acknowledge uh, our feelings. And, and one of the things that I suggest to, my, to the people who I work with is, is, is perhaps keeping a log, some sort of a, a journal, so that they can make entries of how it actually makes them to feel to increase their vitality to have that better clearness of mind, more positive attitude, less, less anxiety. Um, those kinds of feedbacks are, are hard to track. There are, I believe there are some apps out there that do work with MindBody so that you can do some tracking. I'm not much of a tracking phone person, but um, you know, mostly I think also like talking to other people. You may have support people around you, a partner or friends that you can talk with and if you let them know this is a really important goal for you, they can help you stay positive and acknowledge those small steps. It is a long journey. It's not an overnight fix um, or, or change. Um, so we have to find pieces along the way, places where we can get that feedback from our family and friends, get that support, find resources that keep us supported and motivated along that journey. It's not a destination. 
it's a lifelong choice. I think when you see people, like you had said, that were, um, you know, you really aspire, you see them and you see, you know, someone like The Rock who's up at 3.30 every morning and going to the gym and really, you know, pounding that message home about just do it, just do it, just do it. So when you talk about those endorphins and all those happy little things that happen that can replace the anxiety, how long does it take or is that too much pressure to think about when you say the destination, to wait for those endorphins to actually be the things that, that drive you to get up and moving as opposed to your brain making you get up and start moving? Right. That, there's a lot in that question. <laughs> um, first of all, just to comment on The Rock, I mean, he's basically on a maintenance program at this point in time. He's got himself to a point. He's gone through all those stages of change and training and he's on a maintenance program, he still has to go through this um, seesaw kind of effect every day in order to maintain where he's at. He still has sabotage facing him. He still has to reframe his thinking in order to maintain what he's maintaining. It never goes away. It's, it's always there. And that's the journey piece. He's, he may have appeared to be at the destination. He's, he's received the body that he's worked for, but now he still has to maintain it. So it still requires a little bit of work. Um, the other thing about having these people that you see as, as role models, that's not a bad thing. It may not be realistic that you're gonna look like The Rock, but there's aspects, <laughs> yeah, or would want to, um, but there at, there's aspects of him and maybe his lifestyle that you can think that that's something that I want to incorporate in my life. And the more you think about that and you feel, but you dream that I will be living a healthy lifestyle like The Rock and I'm going to be, I'm going to, at some point in time, I'm actually going to get this. And that and you put some feelings around that, see yourself there, then you actually have a better chance of, of achieving that goal. Emotionalizing, dreaming about it, seeing yourself there. A lot of people have reached goals in the past and they have a little more ease seeing themselves achieving. Other people may not have had success in fitness programs. Maybe they had some poor experiences. Um, by vicariously living through some of these people, um, or not their whole persona, but aspects of them that you'd like to adapt. You can actually use that as fuel to help motivate you as you move forward. Um, I think that was, there was another one. <laughs> you know, as long as I've known you, you have always been active, fit, and very positive. And I didn't know you as a young girl, but I'm wondering, has have you always had this... Um, physical component to your life always or is this something that came to you um, in your teen years? Um, I have always had a physical life. We rode horses um, outdoors a lot. Um, I never had the privilege of really learning a, a sport. I didn't have um, the opportunity to really practice that so when I found the gym it was uh, such a blessing to me because it was an opportunity for me to uh, all I had to do was be consistent in my behavior and I had results over time and it was training and it's true in all aspects of my life all I have to do is employ my and engage my energy towards one specific goal and be consistent and be careful not to take on too much all at once and then you achieve um, that positive result back you feel success 
What do you tell your inner saboteur when it starts talking to you? I try to be very gentle with myself. Um, I've learned that. I've been fairly harsh. I came from the, you know, bit heavy training in the 80s where we didn't eat dairy and cut out fat and exercised our faces off. You can't, that's not sustainable. Um, and I've also learned as I've gotten older that you do need to be gentle with yourself. Other that, uh, otherwise, that is a form of sabotage as well. Um, so I try to be gentle with myself. I, like I said, I try to really work the self-awareness muscle and, and try to reframe and start strategizing on better ways um, and be very kind. Talk to myself like I would my best friend. You kind of um, hit something there and I was thinking about as we age. And so I think what you're kind of getting at is that your saboteur sometimes could be that you're going to push yourself too hard and then you're going to injure yourself and get aches and pains and then all of a sudden you can't do anything. Right. And I think you, you want this to be enjoyable. It should be a, an asset to your life and enhance your life. And so I think by pushing yourself too hard, it becomes more of an obsession than actually a positive activity that enhances your life. How does someone find their thing? You know, is it just, is it trial and error? Is it, you know, oh, I think I'm going to take up uh, mountain biking and then they try it and it doesn't work for them. Is it like a lifelong program to kind of keep that um, like flexibility or the change happening to keep you motivated? I think that uh, it's definitely part of the stages of change is that fear factor. Um, often when we anticipate making a change, we, we weigh the pros and we weigh the cons. You know, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? What stands in the way? What is the asset here? And sometimes those cons can kind of take over. And, and I think what, what we need to do is we need to push those out of the way and really focus on the positives and really try to see what is the assets coming towards you. One thing I want to talk about uh, when we come back is a little bit about how to get started and maybe for people that um, maybe haven't had any or started any type of a fitness regime, how they get started slowly so that they don't injure themselves. Hello, I'm Carlos Nunez, the Galician Piper. We're the Ducks. Hey, this is Tim Brennan with the Dropkick Murphys. Hey, this is Dave King from Flagamali. Sean Smith from Lunasa. Karen Casey here. This is Ian Byrne from The Elders. Join me, Patricia Fraser, for the best Celtic music mix. Kelton a Twist, Canada's contemporary Celtic radio hour. Kelton a Twist with your host, Patricia Fraser. Tuesday nights from 9 to 10 following Fiddle Fest with AJ, right here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. COVID-19 protocols in place and AutoMagic on 15th is ready to serve you. Get the best in automotive service for your vehicle and a peace of mind knowing it's done right. Tires, service, brakes, import and domestic, wheels, shocks, and so much more. Give your vehicle the TLC it deserves. Call 250-564-3224 for an appointment today or stop by. Open 8 to 5 Monday through Saturday with safety protocols to serve you right. It's AutoMagic on 15th. Your vehicle will thank you. Convenience and service. That's the Four Rivers Co-op Westgate Gas Bar. Good old-fashioned full service at self-serve prices. Grab some refreshments in the convenience store while they fill your tank. It's like a fill-up and coffee break in one quick stop. Talk about killing two birds with one stone. Fast, friendly, with no lineups. The modern, spacious, full-service Four Rivers Co-op Westgate Gas Bar. Open daily from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Westgate Avenue, just off Highway 16 West, past Walmart. 
forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy with a 60% chance of showers this morning, a clearing near noon. Wind from the southwest at 20 this afternoon at a high of 16. Increasing clouds tonight and a low of 1. Cloudy on Wednesday with a few showers beginning near noon and a high of 10. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. With me is Shannon Johnson from the uh, YMCA. She's a centre manager and she's telling us all of these wonderful nuggets of wisdom that uh, are making me feel a little bit inspired. But I know that can be dangerous as well to just go off and, you know, grab a 50-pound dumbbell and start, you know, doing some reps because uh, you're going to probably end up injuring yourself. But um, I know I know a few people, they want to try and get a little bit more active. And sometimes, A, maybe they don't, the gyms are open now with social distancing and that type of thing, but they don't maybe feel comfortable going to a gym or they don't want to join a gym. And they may be working from home and they're not really out and about doing a lot of things. So how do they take those, I guess, baby steps to try to start, you know, like you said, retraining your brain? Right. Well, the Canada Physical Activity Guide does... Re- they lay out sort of what a person should be doing for fit should be doing for their fitness um, and overall health and the guidelines do include um, 150 minutes of cardiovascular activity uh, mild to vigorous activity per week that's you, you know you break that down yeah it's about 30 minutes mm-hmm. every day um, but that's not realistic for some people and so they've actually set it out that uh, 10 minute segments broken down to 10 minute segments that could be raking your yard it could be vacuuming and dancing around while you're vacuuming um, it could be like a brisk walk around the block after after dinner time playing with your children taking your dog for a walk that's the cardiovascular part they also recommend uh, two sessions of strength training per mm-hmm. week and that's just to keep your muscles and bones strong um, so things like that would be, you can do a lot of exercise using your body weight, um, or you could use bands or um, uh, dumbbells right in your own home. Uh, we do have fitness leaders at the YMCA that can put you through a program and, and coach you on how to develop that program. Um, and there's also lots of things online as well. I would caution around what's online because often they are sort of more moderate mm-hmm. in what they prescribe. Um, what w- I would suggest is is a trainer for an, at least the initial um, coaching because they can adapt and they can modify exercise to your needs and what your abilities are. Um, if you're dealing with chronic disease or some sort of arthritis, uh, diabetes, they can adapt the program so that it, it suits your needs and that it's safe for you. And then realizing that, like you said, you don't want to jump right in at the 50-pound dumbbell. It has to be very progressive in nature. So you would start more on on an endurance level with lighter weights, more repetitions, and then gradually increase the amount of weight that you are working with. Flexibility training is super, super important. Um, That's what keeps a positive range of motion so that it helps you for any injury prevention. And also balance training has become very important, uh, especially for seniors around um, fall prevention, making sure that um, 
that people can engage their core, support their body when they're in an emergency situation like dealing with our winters here in, in Prince George. So those factors are also really important to incorporate in your fitness program. Keep it small. Try to take, you know, maybe 20 minutes to do these components of fitness. And then your cardio on top of that, like a walk or something like that. It's about picking something simple and staying consistent. Doing it three days a week. Um, doing it for a period of time, you know, and maybe spreading it up in your day so that it fits your lifestyle. If you have children, you know, you have to work around them, your work. Um, break it down a little bit and make it pleasurable. Make sure that it's something that's fun. So just back to your question, how do you know what is the right kind of fitness? I think we have to really realize that there's going to be a certain amount of fear and apprehension when we start something new. But if you're if you're if you try to embrace that it's a an experiment and if it doesn't work for you you can always try something else um, take a look at some suggestions maybe that your friend base have um, maybe they're doing something that you hadn't even thought about doing maybe it's tai chi or a dance class um, there's lots of opportunities out there just to become more active i'm uh, going to go back just a little bit to what you touched on and that was a bit about um, when you're looking at doing some of these programs. Like, yes, you can see online that there's lots of things as far as, let's say, yoga poses or stretches and flexibility things. But um, I do agree with you that sometimes if, if maybe this is new to you, there is a lot of, um, you could injure yourself quite badly by doing some of those stretches um, and some of those um, yoga moves and that type of thing if you don't really know what you're doing, your body position, et cetera. Do you wanna kind of explain that a bit? Because I, I think some people might go too hard and then they're going to pull something or, and then they're just gonna be sidelined for even longer. Sure, that's one of the reasons why I love being a trainer because when I work with you, I'm working with you and your body, your body's going to tell me things. You're gonna tell me how things are feeling, but your body's also gonna show me where there may be past injuries or some sort of uh, inhibition to a particular movement. And then that's the point where I would modify. And also too, I would also approach an individual by starting with the easiest movement first. And then if they're successful, then over time, like our next visit, I would give them the modified, like a little more of a challenge and gradually progress them that way rather than start them at the most advanced move and then have to go, oh, no, no, not like that. Wait, stop. Right. <laughs> and then try to pull them back to something safer. I almost think that that can happen. Um, we were talking during the break about, let's say, running. Uh, if you don't know, you might think it's natural that you would know how to run. Mm -hmm. You just run mm -hmm. but there are a lot of techniques that happen to keep yourself from being injured and so that's how I kind of equate it as well so when you're talking about uh, you're at the Y and so you do personal training there's, there's a lot of personal trainers in Prince George that people can find uh, is is that how many people do you see and what is the common maybe a common thread of the people that you do work with as far as their fitness um, well, we have a diverse group that come to the Y um, and different facilities and organizations may specialize in particular populations. Um, so I see a diverse uh, group of uh, uh, situations that individuals may be in. Um, but I think 
largely it's people who have are just new to exercise and so what I see a lot is like you were mentioning running the biggest thing about running is it needs to be progressive in nature and build up the tendon and ligament strength particularly in your knees and your ankles so that those structures can support the muscles when you're going through all that impact and that it, same would be true with strength training or any kind of cardiovascular exercise are the supporting structures strong enough and flexible enough to support the movement that you're that you're prescribing to a person um, because over time if, it, if they're not if you push too fast um, potentially you're going to cause injury. I really enjoyed having you come and uh, give us some of your wisdom and inspire us to maybe add a little bit more safe fitness into our lives. Uh, any any um, closing remarks on what people can think of maybe starting today? Well that's the thing I, I I feel like the just do it thing is is not very um, it, it's not very respectful of people and where they're at. Um, I would say from my point of view I would encourage people to experiment and to give it a try. I would encourage them to maybe elicit some coaching um, like online virtual coaches um, or friends and family that may have some experience to support them and to actually get started with small steps, things that are realistic and achievable. Feel this success, Let, allow that to give you some momentum to a whole new different way of being. Thank you so much. Shannon Johnson Learn from to apply the perspective Center. to drawing buildings, both modern and ancient, at Two Rivers Gallery. Tuesday evenings through October, Wendy Frams is presenting dramatic buildings in ink and watercolor. Registration is available online at tworiversgallery.ca as well as at the gallery. Dramatic buildings in ink and watercolor with Wendy Frams. Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 through October at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is presenting free educational webinars Wednesday afternoons from 2 to 3 through the end of October. Learn about dementia from anywhere in the province with topics covering a wide array of challenges faced by those afflicted by Alzheimer's and the people caring for those with dementia. The next seminar is Wednesday on sundowning, late day confusion. Alzheimer's Society of BC webinars Wednesday afternoons at 2. For free registration, visit alzbc.org slash webinars. The City of Prince George is now accepting MyPG Community Grant applications. The grant assists nonprofit groups with applications evaluated based on a list of criteria, including encouraging a safe community, increasing community pride, and providing opportunities for involvement in arts and culture. More information and application details are available through the grants link under city services at princegeorge.ca. The City of Prince George MyPG Community Grant Application deadline is October 15th. The Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety has some tips for people operating a restaurant during the current pandemic. Among the suggestions, promote home delivery, pre-ordering or curbside pickup. Use signs and markings to control the flow of people in the restaurant. Limit the number of customers allowed in at one time and provide a waiting area outside with markers designated safe physical distancing. And remove large condiment containers from tables, replacing them with single-use items. For more tips on pandemic-related health and safety, go to ccohs.ca. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello, with me now in studio is Lynn Brown, and she is an instructor, 
a mentor and a trainer of the Roots of Empathy program. Now, when I first heard about this program, I was like, wow, like, what is this? This is a really interesting name. And what do you do? So right off the bat, I'm going to have you explain exactly what is the Roots of Empathy program. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here to talk about it. Uh, Roots of Empathy is one of my passions. And I think that it's hard to explain it in you know a, a small little capsule, except to say that it is um, developing that empathy in children by watching a baby grow and develop. So in school-aged children, we have the program from kindergarten right up to grade eight, and um, in different grade levels. And a baby comes to visit the classroom once a month with their family, and as they watch and observe the baby, they learn about emotions, what they look like, and empathy for a baby, and then we reflect it back to themselves. So this is a, this is a Canadian chapter, but this isn't just in Canada, correct? Right. It's a Canadian-grown, uh, Roots of Empathy is Canadian, um, run by a woman, uh, Mary Gordon, who um, is someone I looked up to so for so long and uh, yes it is Canadian wide uh, in every province and we also have it in 14 well 13 other countries so United States United Kingdom Ireland New Zealand North Korea and Costa Rica are our newest ones but throughout the world yeah 14 How, countries when did this all start well Mary Gordon um is from Newfoundland, but she lives in Toronto, and the organization started in Toronto. But she worked as a teacher, and she always thought, you know, I can teach children anything. But she knew that the main teachers were the family, was the attachment to the parents of that baby who grew up to be a child in her class. And she knew that there was something missing for children to understand how another person feels, then they are more emotionally aware and socially aware, then they're more inclusive. So she started in these literacy programs, she called them, where she worked with parents and children and um, had these groups where she would talk about this importance of attachment. And then she came up with the idea about the baby because a baby is not judging. They don't, they don't care who you are or where you come from, how much money you have, or what clothes you wear. They just accept you, and you can accept them because they're a little baby. Everyone loves to see a little baby. Everyone loves So that's babies. where it started, yeah. Uh, I've always heard this phrase that we aren't born with empathy, that we have to learn empathy. So this is kind of the basis of the program, isn't it? It is. It's develop that empathy because we all have the roots, the base of mm -hmm. empathy. And we talk about roots of empathy. We ask the children, what do you think it means? Roots of empathy with our symbol is the tree. And really, it's the foundation for that growth as a person. If you can understand how another person feels or have an idea of that, then you're more socially capable you're able to own your own emotions because you see them in someone else. And um, well, you can see it in a baby because they can't talk. Yeah. They just tell you what they need. They cry. And so when Mary Gordon started this program in 1996, she um, thought, you know, I think we could really have something here. And in BC, there was a pilot project um, in 2000. And I heard her speak 
in 2002 and um, really blew me away. If you've ever had an opportunity to hear her speak, and she has, we have a wonderful website at rootsofempathy.org, um, and on it, there's many videos of her speaking of her passion for children, and she says it's always about the children. When did you become involved in the program here in Prince George? Well, like I said, I heard her speak in 2002 and came back to Prince George. I heard her at an early childhood education conference down at UBC. And um, the thing that struck me about it was, of course, Mary Gordon, because she's just so compassionate and she has such a a drive and love for people. Um, But what I saw was there was this program that you would go into the schools and do this, but it was also research-based. It's all the research comes out of UBC in British Columbia, but every place that wants to have it also needs to have a link to a university for research. Hmm. And so I got involved probably a couple years later. Yeah, I was trained in 2004 here in Prince George. And then I've been an instructor in the classroom with the teacher and the children, and then the baby comes in. And um, then became a a mentor and a trainer, and then an international trainer um, and mentor. I got to go to Northern Ireland in Belfast and all through Northern Ireland, and then also to Wales and Netherlands. So, What does it bring to you, the program? Yeah, that's a good question because um, I've worked with children most of my life. I am an early childhood educator, graduated here at the college, worked in the the profession for years. And um, for me, it was a way to get out into the community and to also um, spread the word of infant development and what they have to show us and, and learn from them. Like I brought a little a copy of the little t-shirt. It's adorable. And it is a little tiny t-shirt with a beautiful little tree and then it says Roots of Empathy and then it's in French as well. I won't give you my French. No. And uh, teacher, it's adorable. Teacher, well the baby is the is teacher. The teacher. Oh. And that's what brought me to it is that yes, we teach children but they learn from each other and they learn from this little baby that shows them about emotions right on their face. When we come back, I would like to talk about the program itself, because people at home are probably wondering, baby, classroom, what's going on? So I want to talk about the actual details of what happens in the classroom when we come back. Okay, thanks. The PGSO has unveiled its 50th anniversary fall season. Bring Back the Joy of Live Music includes four concerts in the new ballroom of the Prestige Treasure Cove Resort, with a 50-ticket limit at each of four concert weekend performances. A kinder concert will feature two afternoon performances on December 5th. Tickets are available online, at the PGSO office, or by phone. Full details are available at pgso.com. The Prince George Symphony Orchestra's 50th anniversary fall season. Bring back the joy of live music. Here are this week's announcements from Volunteer Prince George. The Railway and Forestry Museum is open Wednesday through Sunday. Both museums at Good Sir Nature Park are open and brimming with information and beautiful displays. And Parent Support BC offers weekly virtual grandparent raising grandchild and parent support circles via Zoom Monday through Thursday. For more information on these and other volunteer opportunities, visit volunteerpg.com or call 250-564-0224. 
The Seniors Resource Centre at 721 Victoria Street has partially reopened. People can come to the centre Monday to Wednesday between 10 and 2 by appointment only. Please do not come in if you are experiencing any signs of illness, such as fever or a cough, or have had recent contact with someone who is isolating. To book an appointment with the centre, call between those same hours, 250-564-5888 or 250-552-2828. Seniors Resource Centre, 721 Victoria Street. Open Monday to Wednesday from 10 to 2 by appointment only. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy with a 60% chance of showers this morning, a clearing near noon. Wind from the southwest at 20 this afternoon at a high of 16. Increasing clouds tonight and a low of 1. Cloudy on Wednesday with a few showers beginning near noon and a high of 10. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. We are learning all about the Roots of Empathy program here in Prince George, and with me is Lynn Brown, and she is the instructor, mentor, trainer extraordinaire. And uh, before we went to break, we were saying that we were going to talk about the actual details. So we talked about babies and classrooms and mentors and trainees, and the baby's the teacher. Can you maybe walk us through what a, what a typical day in a program looks like and how long that goes on for? Sure. <clears throat> it starts with the teacher and then the administrator. So the teacher says, yes, I want to have Roots of Empathy in my class. And then as an instructor, I would go to that class. We would find a baby, we call it finding a baby, but um, we ask in the community, is there anyone that's interested in having their baby be part of a program in a school. So their commitment is once a month for half an hour, they would come in with their baby. And the baby needs to be about between two and four months. So if we start the program in October, for example, the baby would be born in maybe July or Mm -hmm. August. And so then um, we have a relationship with that parent and they come in and we have a green blanket and we put the green blanket out and the baby, that's their zone. So the children know that they're not to touch the green blanket. That's just for the baby and the parents. So we know that that's safe for them. And every time the baby comes, we sing a song. Hello, baby Sandra, and how are you? So we sing this song as they come in, greet the baby. The baby goes around, and then we watch. And I ask questions about what they see and what they know. There's a theme every month. And, for example, one of the themes might be sleep. So we'll talk to the parent about sleep. So before this happens, we have what we call a pre-visit. So I'll I'll come in the week before, and I'll say to the children, oh, we're going to talk about sleep. Um, What do you know about sleep? And what are some questions we can ask about sleep? And I give them a bit of information about what sleep looks like. Then we ask the parent about all that, watch the baby, talk about that. It's funny because often that theme, the baby falls asleep, I don't know, it happens to me almost every time. (laughs) And then the post-visit, the week after the baby's been there, then we talk about what did you see? What did you learn? And then we reflect back to the child. What about you? How do you sleep? Do you have dreams? Like, what do you you find about sleep that's good? What, do you get scared? So we use that baby as a catalyst for learning Mm -hmm. about their themselves about their emotions and about have you ever felt that way have you ever only wanted to be with your parents to go to sleep do you need music to fall asleep do you have a cuddly so there's three actually processes to it so I go into the classroom usually once a week a pre-visit the baby visit and then a post-visit and this happens through the whole school year. Yeah. So, so they watch to, the baby grow. Exactly. So that's why we say we like the baby to be two, two to four months, because you can see that 
whole continuum of development, right? And you can have empathy for the baby. They, they say that's our baby. You know, they have ownership of that baby. And when it's a baby in our community, they might see the baby out in the grocery store. They might see the baby watching soccer on the soccer field. So it really is community-based. But yes, you watch the baby grow right to the very end. And then we have a goodbye and good wishes at the end of the year where the children give wishes for what they want the baby's life to look like. And it's very touching. You know, the wishes, they would say things like, I hope when you grow up, you always have friends. I hope that when you grow up, you'll be able to laugh and sing and read. You know, it's just amazing. That's beautiful. That they put those on the baby. Yeah. What what grades? Is it usually really young grades right now? Is that what you do mostly? Um, I've done all the age groups. So okay. last year I was in a grade six, seven class okay. at Nasdeo. And um, interesting how the children... Um, they're at that stage where they're trying to be really cool and, you know, what a, whatever, a baby. But as soon as the baby comes in, everyone's smiling and watching. And it doesn't really matter anymore because it's about the baby. So um, kindergarten classes, but um, here in Prince George, we do all age groups. It's really popular in kindergarten, grade one, because we had some funding from Ministry of Children and Families that said, how about you do some early years um, and this is one of the programs we want to see. So we did it in kindergarten and grade one for quite a bit, but also, you know, all ages, because we know all ages, the curriculum is designed for different age groups. So. It's really interesting, too, I imagine, for maybe the children that don't have a sibling, or maybe they're the youngest and they've mm-hmm. never been in a household where there is a baby. Absolutely. So what they're gaining is is something as well. That's right. And looking at how a baby grows and develops, right? Because Mary Gordon always says, these children are the parents and citizens of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So if we can develop empathy with those children and they can see what a true loving, attached relationship is like between a parent and a baby, then they too will model that as they go on. And the research shows that, you know, this uh, keeping what empathy, what the Roots of Empathy program is teaching stays with them for years after and for them to see a baby they haven't you know one little boy said to me I've never seen a real live baby before (laughs) right so it's exciting to me really they do that and why is he crying yes why is he crying let's find out so it is really exciting if we can develop that empathy it is a foundation for their future okay so you must over the years have some really adorable stories of maybe some of those what do kids say moments mm-hmm. when they see a baby maybe for the first mm-hmm. time or maybe when the baby does something that they haven't seen before mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. have anything that kind of triggers your memory right now yeah well they they kind of get giggly and kind of grossed out if they if they toot or if they have poop or if they burp if they spit up mm-hmm. and we talk about that before the baby comes and talk about you know remember we want to be respectful and if you laugh how do you think the baby would feel mm-hmm. or how do you think the mother would feel so this one time this the baby came in and she needed to be changed like it was a serious time and so the children were like what she's going to change the diaper right now? And the one little boy turned to the other boy and said, how would you like sit sit in that for all this time? So <laughs> they just say things out loud, mm-hmm. right? But another time, a little boy, we were talking about crying. And as we were talking about crying before the baby came, I said, you know, when we cry, there's reasons why we cry. And the little boy in front of me in the kindergarten class started crying. 
And I said, yeah, like right now you're crying. Why are you crying? And he said, I miss my mom. I don't, I've never been to school before. Mm. I miss my mom. And this was October. Mm-hmm. Little boy just came over, sat beside him, put his arm around him and said, I miss my mom too. Oh my. And I was like, okay, well, there's <laughs> empathy right here, right yeah. in front of us, right? So it's things like that. You highlight them, right? Yeah. That's the moment where yeah. you kind of go, this is why I'm doing this. Yes, exactly. And you talk to teachers and they see a difference. Um, the research shows that children who have roots of empathy, the aggression goes down, but also the pro-social, the kindness goes up. And in classrooms that don't have roots of empathy, their aggression actually goes up. So we know it works. Uh, we know that through the children, when we talk about them at the end of the year, you do evaluations that we hand in and we talk to teachers and we see the difference. We know it makes a difference. And even the parents themselves, when they come in with their baby, they're learning so much that they didn't think they would ever learn. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that as far as we've talked about how it feels for you, that moment when the parents are going, okay, well, this seems like a great idea, but they're obviously getting so much from it as well. I know most parents say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. That's a volunteer thing and, you know, adds to our community and I'd love to be involved in the school. And what a cool thing for my child and I to do once a month. But after a couple months, they said, I think I'm getting more out of it than the children because their child's the star and they are the star as well because they know their baby more than anybody. So we refer to the parent a lot and tell us what what do you think the baby's saying? What do you think the baby's telling us? And um, so, you know, facial expressions, body language, because that's all the baby can do is cry or show you on their face. And then I guess the other piece of the puzzle would be the teacher in the classroom is mm-hmm. obviously um, watching this and I guess seeing a benefit to the students that, that they're teaching as well. Exactly. And <clears throat> we always say we're a partner with the family and the baby and a partner with the school. So the teacher is, is pivotal because... Um, that teacher is always in the class with me. I don't take over her role. I, I do this program with her but or him, but they are part of the class. They can observe their children in a different way. When we're doing words of empathy, they see things they, they've never seen. Like I had a child in the class who had issues all the time, was always in trouble, was restless, you know, poking other children, always inappropriate. But when Roots of Empathy came, when the baby was there, he was right there telling people to listen, be quiet, don't touch the blanket, watch him, what's he doing? And it had the most interesting questions. So children can be, you can look, the teacher can see. All right. One thing that I'm struck with after listening to you is why is this not in every classroom (laughs) happening in this city and across the country? But I want to talk to you about that when we come back. Disaster financial assistance has been authorized for landslides and major flooding in the northeast region of B.C. from June 14th to July 13th. Homeowners, residential tenants, small business owners, farmers, charitable organizations, and local government bodies affected are asked to submit their applications as soon as possible to have their damage assessed promptly. Full details are available online at gov.bc.ca slash disaster financial assistance. Administered by Emergency Management B.C., the submission deadline for the disaster 
financial assistance is October 16th. The Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety has some tips for people operating a community centre during the current pandemic. Among the suggestions, post signs reminding people about physical distancing, hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette. If possible, use separate entry and exit doors to control pedestrian flow. Arrange seating to maintain physical distancing. Keep attendance lists to help in contact tracing if necessary. And review activities offered to see if it is safe to offer them. For more tips on pandemic-related health and safety, go to ccohs.ca. The Accra Kitchen is open for lunch. Takeout meals are available between 11.30 and 1, Monday through Friday. Diners are allowed in one at a time through the east entrance, with all physical distancing rules being strictly followed. Meals are just $6. Correct change is appreciated. The menu for the month is posted with some frozen meals, also available, as well as soup and a bun and pie. It's the Elder Citizens Recreation Centre Kitchen. Open weekdays for lunch from 11.30 to 1 on 10 between Vancouver and Winnipeg. As masks become part of our everyday lives, the Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety reminds everyone that wearing a mask on its own does not prevent the spread of coronavirus. You also need to continue following other standard health and safety rules. Stay home if you are sick, practice physical distancing, wash your hands regularly, and avoid touching your face, mouth, nose, and eyes. Remember, while wearing a mask will help control the spread of COVID-19, it will not prevent it. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Lynn, listening to you talk, I said before the break that it just seems like it's a no-brainer to have this program all across the schools. Um, obviously, there's a reason why that isn't happening to that degree at this point. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, I also am a Roots of Empathy trainer. So one of the the things about Roots of Empathy is they really believe in the consistency of the program, the curriculum that was developed. So instructors need to be trained in this program. And so that takes money and also it takes people who have the time and energy to do the program. in Ontario, for example, there was a movement where early childhood educators who worked within the schools in that province um, all took roots of empathy. So then they could be in the classroom still as an assistant and did the program once a week in that classroom. And that is ideal. That would be awesome to do that. Um, also, people like me who are volunteers that work and live in the community but wanted to do this program. So it's a matter of finding volunteers who have the time and money to take the training. And, um, you know, there's always funding, right? Everything we do. And when we're a nonprofit organization, we're looking for sponsors. We have a list of sponsors. They're on our website. But um, that's what it comes down to is bringing the money into the, into the community for that, but also for the people who can do it as well to free up that time. We know how valuable classroom time is. But also... In each school, if we could have the program in even a couple classrooms in every school, that would be amazing. So if we can find those instructors, train them, get them out there, that's where we're looking for. Because then it's sustainable throughout the time. What does someone need to have in order to become um, an instructor? Um, A desire to work with children, to believe in the program, to be able to observe. um, But no necessarily, they don't have to be an ECE or anything like that. No, anyone from, oh, all all 
sorts of people will come, people who are retired, people who are teachers, people who, I mean, that were teachers, people that um, work in the community. They just, um, you know, half an hour to an hour a week in a classroom to what, volunteer. What does the training entail? What type of uh, time um, commitment is yeah, that? It's three days training, so mm -hmm. three full days. And then in a classroom kind of setting, videos, um, lots of interaction with each other. And then um, one more day in the middle of the year, we do a mid-year training. And then they do a full year of the program, and then they're certified. And that's right here. You're, you're the can, trainer. So I can be can the trainer. Yeah. What would someone do if they wanted to uh, learn more about that particular part of the program? Um, well, we have a, a provincial coordinator. Her name's Adriana Austin, but we also have a person here in Prince George called our key point person, and that's Andrea Maurice. And she is uh, the early learning coordinator for the school district. So she's our key point person for Roots of Empathy. And then I'm a mentor for those that are first doing the program. Um, because of things that are happening with COVID. Yes, we, we can't know. get away from saying that. <laughs> I know, I'm really sorry, but it does change our program because we're people, mm -hmm. people. Like we're in the classroom, there's a baby involved, there's children involved. So that is something that changes how it looks for us and in talking with Andrea recently we're talking about how do we do this in the schools when COVID's happening you know um, so we're looking at waiting mm -hmm. we're putting a pause button um, probably till January and Roots of Empathy is very uh, flexible in this knowing that we still want to offer Roots of Empathy but because of COVID, we have to look and adapt and change. So we have two programs. One's the adapted program that starts in January with a baby that's probably a bit older because we want to do the program then. But there's also what we call the recovery program, where if a p instructor works in the school and is with the children already, we do this recovery program where we have different themes talking about what happened? What's, what is COVID? Mm -hmm. What are our roles and responsibilities? What's changed? What have we learned? What have we lost? What have we found? Different themes. But the baby would be virtual because we're not ready to bring a baby into the classroom. There's a certain um, similarity there. What we're dealing with with COVID and how to deal with each other and what that means is its own form of empathy. Exactly. And so we need it more than ever, yeah. I think, because there's been some social disconnect. Mm -hmm. uh, what about people that want to get involved um, and maybe be that family that yeah. might be a part of the program with maybe their up-and-coming addition yes. to their family? Same, yes. same process? Contact yes. someone? Contract Andrea Maurice at the school district, A. Maurice at sd57.bc.ca, or myself, L. Brown, at rootsofempathy.org. Um, that's another way to do it. Look at the website, um, rootsofempathy.org, because it's amazing the information you can get from there. But if you want to be involved, absolutely, we'd love to um, have more babies. And we're always looking for babies. Um, <laughs> always looking for babies. <laughs> <laughs> the more instructors that we have, the more babies we need. Um, there was a time when we had 15 instructors in Prince George. Wow. Right now. I think we have four. Oh, Just because people's yeah. um, lives have changed, they've moved on and done other things, but um, we're always looking for, for more. And hopefully um, in 2021, we can offer a training and and have more instructors in our community. So well, this we would be a really good time during this little bit of a down mm -hmm. or the pause that you mm -hmm. talked about for yes. people to get 
uh, more information to find out, become yes. involved, yes. Uh, get trained up, yes. and get set for the the new year, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a place right on the website if you want to be involved. You just can click on there and I don't want to be involved. It's been so wonderful to actually get, I knew about the program yeah. with you and talked with you about the program, but to really hear all of those details, um, I think it's such an amazing program. You did mention sponsors, so obviously you're you also need to have the funding coming from businesses and corporations that will give you some of the funding. Do you get you do get some from the government with grants? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay, but definitely dependent on that sponsorship. It's always great to have people um, sponsor the community in lots of ways, but in this program, you really um, have ownership because it's amazing to see the results. And what can someone do if they're listening now and they maybe might be looking at a place they'd like to donate some money? Yes, um, please go to our website again. And there is a contact and there's also a place that you can give or you get more information to be able to be a sponsor. So there you have it. Lots of ways to donate, ways to become part of the program, Mm -hmm. ways to have a future baby part of that program. It's such a lovely thing um, that you're doing, Lynn. A wonderful program. Again, if you want to find out more, visit their website. That's it for us today. I guess we will talk to you next week. Uh, Bye for now. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFIS-FM Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the Heritage Free Presbyterian Church, 4020 Balsam Road.